You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fair Game Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith. It has been a heck of a week here getting all these recorded. Um, it's been a fantastic experience for me getting to see so many of you on Zoom and connect with you. It kind of feels like a little mini IAFE convention uh, on my podcast lately. Today's show I'm really excited for. Our guest is a fair manager whose vision has produced incredible results for his fair. He is, in my, res- my humble opinion, the man responsible for saving the New Mexico State Fair. He is Dan Morning, and he joins us now from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Dan, welcome to the show. Wow, that I don't know if I can live up to that introduction, but God, <laughs> Robert, it's great to see you and great to talk to you. I, I see you. You're shaking your head no when I said you're. You, I think you're the guy that saved the fair. I understand it was a whole team effort, and, and we'll get to that in just a second and some of those moves you made for the fair. But for those people that are listening that don't know you, could you give us, uh, the folks a little bit of background on who you are and how you came to be with the New Mexico State Fair? Yeah, uh, again, you know, uh, uh, I have snow top on the head. We, you know, that, that's not golden highlights. That's all real gray hair. Been around New Mexico a long time, been around. Uh, I, I come from the uh, hospitality industry as well as real estate development and uh, redevelopment of uh, uh, public properties in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico and stuff. So I had a lot of management experience. How I came to the state fair, I guess, was midlife crisis, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, I, I had multiple restaurants and and different uh, real estate things that I was dealing with. And I just kind of uh, woke up one day saying, hey, you know what, I'd like to do something. I'd like to make a difference. I'd like to do something a little different. You know, generally people at 50-ish don't generally try to do things like that. And, and my wife included was like, what the heck's wrong with you? Uh, but, you know, I, I felt strongly that I needed to do something different. And, and the fair, uh, we had a new governor uh, back in 2011, uh, Governor Susana Martinez, who uh, uh, I'd met on the campaign trail. And I just basically said, hey, if you need help in the new administration, you know, working with whatever, I, you know, I'll make myself available. And I got a call said, well, you asked for the job, old man. So uh, we got a little something going on out here at the New Mexico State Fair, which was always an integral part of my family, Robert. Yeah, I mean, our, our family has always been a big part of the fair is a big part of our, uh, all my children as, as well as us uh, growing up. Uh, so uh, I, I jumped at the opportunity and uh, uh, really had no idea what I was getting into until I got into it for about two weeks and realized uh, we're the Titanic and we need to figure out how to, uh, uh, you know, salvage this ship. Uh, and that's all we did. You know, I, you know, it, that's kind of where we are to this day. I, I, my good friend, Roger Beimer, who, you know, uh, was a former man, deputy manager at the fair. And I got a hold of him and, and, uh, he said, well, he said, you want to learn about this industry? Cause I said, I have no idea what I'm doing here. He says, get your traveling shoes on. And that's what I did. I started traveling to see other fairs around the country, and I still travel. I would travel this year if uh, the pandemic wouldn't have hit, but I learned from all of the other fair managers and fair uh, people that are in this industry and have come to respect and love what this business is about. And I think it, it, it drove a passion in me that still stems today 
Uh, I love this industry. I love this fairgrounds. I know every inch of the fairgrounds. I all my employees I know by name, and uh, reason is because they're the ones that make it happen. Yeah, Those and people out there on the front lines. Well, you know, one of the things I really admired about you early on when I heard that there was new management coming into the fair. You know, they, of course, the Albuquerque Journal and all these places, they write articles and there's stuff on the web and whatnot about you. And I'm looking at him like, this guy has no fair experience, but he's a business guy. And then I started watching some of the moves you made around the fair. The things you, you knew the business, but the things you didn't know, you brought in people that were experts on it to really round out that team so that you had someone there that could get you the answer you needed. So you and your team have made some really incredible changes to the fair. You know, for anybody listening, I remember growing up at the fair and it was a place where if you were a young family, by five or six o'clock, you were out of there. You left the fair because the, the, our fairgrounds, and I don't think this is unique to Albuquerque and to our New Mexico State Fair, most fairgrounds are in a rough, can be in a rougher area of the town. And ours is no exception. And we had a real history where by five o'clock, you just, you were done because then the riffraff and the trouble was coming to the fair. That was when I was a kid. And then you show up and you make some changes. And I remember the first year you guys booked me in there for, with Conjure Fortune Machine, Bob Duck, who does the, the duck races had yep. said, you know, Hey, if New Mexico, man, I did them last year. If they come, they've made some real changes. If they come talk to you, you might want to really consider doing it. And I thought, well, okay, I'll see what happens. And so you book me into the fair, first night at the fair. I thought, I'm going to stick around because I'm not going to bring Sarah and Nate, my son, down just yet. But I want to see what's going on at night. And I'm looking and seven, eight, nine o'clock. It's well lit. There's families with strollers. There's smiles. You didn't even see like the New Mexico State Police and APD and whatnot. They weren't walking around with these massive like gang units and all their, you know, like battle fatigues or whatever it is it just felt like a really honestly for at one point i was like this almost feels like a really scaled down version of disneyland at night it just it felt really safe and i knew then i was like man this guy's made some changes so with that very long monologue about that and and segue what are some of the challenges you face coming into that fair and how did you address them oh Geez, I mean, first of all, the financial situation here was 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 disastrous. And being enterprise like most fairs are, uh, you know, responsible for, for generating your own operational revenue, uh, the, the the challenges were enormous. And uh, you know, I had to learn a little more about government first of all, and uh, uh, understand how those processes work. So, you know, good good friend of mine and somebody as a mentor that I I love dearly is Tim Fennell. Uh, and God bless him for uh, wishing well in his retirement. Uh, you know, he said, hire good people and get the hell out of their way. You Amen. Know, and let, let them do their job. And that, and that's a philosophy I'd always practiced in my own businesses and industry. And I did it out here. You know, I let, I let our people, I let my, the people that worked out here, uh, uh, set them free, unleash those ideas. Uh, you know, uh, let, let's try things, you know, they're, they're, uh, outside the box. Yes. I'm about it. I, that's that. It, let's get some free thought going on out here. And what can we do to make changes? Well, first of all, fairgrounds has to be safe. I got with the chief of uh, the state police at that time. His name was Pete Cassettis and he's retired at this point yep. in time, but uh, Pete was a great guy and he was a big fair guy. And he ran uh, the state police security out here for us uh, or for the fair for many years. So I, you know, got into his brain and what was going on. And I said, the one thing that I don't want to see 
is uh, you know, officer unfriendly. I want to see smiles on your, your officers' faces. Interact with the public. You know, uh, be a human being. Let them know that you're human, that you're not a machine. When it's time to go to work, go to work. Uh, zero tolerance. I did not want any tomfoolery not happening out here. Uh, you know, and I even went onto the media and basically, you know, I'm kind of blunt sometimes, you know, and it's one of those things I was on with Stuart Dyson at one point. And I, I remember said, Stu. I said, listen, I said, man, if you're a dirtbag and I looked in the cam, if you're a dirtbag and want to do unsavory things at the fair, we don't want your business. You're not welcoming in and bad. You'll have a bad experience, but let's get rid of that. And so we set a tone. Uh, you know, and, and, and uh, started going about that. We uh, looked at our contracts, our contractors, uh, folks that we had done business with that had felt entitled that they had that. And, uh, you know, I made sure that I got an incredible uh, procurement officer. And uh, you know her very well because she's also learned the industry, Antoinette. Uh, is she there in the room with you or is she... Oh yeah, she's making sure I don't say stupid things. So yeah, she's she's here. Antoinette, Absolutely. how you doing? You're hiding back behind the camera, aren't you? Hello, how's it going? <laughs> I I knew I was gonna get you on somehow. Are you yeah. uh you feeling good? Like how's that? How are things for you? It's it's good. You know, uh, we had the virtual fair, which was exciting to do because it was something fair themed. Um, but now that the virtual fair is over, we are excited to plan for 2021. <laughs> So we are in talks with our contractors, our vendors, our spectaculars. You know, we're just trying to move forward, be positive, and um, wait for next year. Awesome. Well, it's good to see, good to see you, Antoinette. I uh, I got it for anybody listening. I got to tell you what these guys are so professional to make sure they're staying safe. Uh, they're doing this with masks on to make sure that they're setting the example. I know it's been a really tough year for all of us, uh, but Antoinette, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you. Yes. So you got a great procurement officer. We love Antoinette. Uh, so keep going. Tell us what you what you uh, have you going know, there. And that was it. Is learning about government, you know, and uh, you, you know, and how it works. And you know, fortunately, I'd been around long enough to I had been, you know, business. Robert, I don't have to tell you, just like your industry and the fair industry, it's about relationships and building good relationships. But what we wanted to do was build good relationships with the media. The media is going to project how we are put out there to the, the general public, the folks that weren't coming to the fair. We knew who was coming. We just needed to find out who wasn't and right. how could we go after them. And that's kind of what we've been doing and we continue to do. We find uh, those those little bastions of, of uh, folks that are not coming to the fair. We try to find out why uh, and we adapt and adjust. Uh, but again, you know, a lot, it's a, it's a lot of work uh, and, and it's something that you have to be hands-on. You can't just, yep. you know, be an absentee landlord. Uh, you know, I roll my sleeves up just like every other fair manager does. I mean, that's what I love about this industry. And uh, you, you go out there and you learn what, what is necessary to make it successful. Uh, and you have to be adaptable and you have to overcome these obstacles like has been thrown at us with COVID. Yep. Uh, you, if you have a, a can't do attitude, then you don't need, you need to get out of this bit business. This is a can-do kind of industry, man. We we will be successful. Say and yes. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, I mean, sometimes the uh, odds are just stacked again. There's nothing more you can do. And there's nothing you could do about that. But right. you can't get, quit and give up. And I guarantee you, there is nothing but fight still left in me. Oh, and, no. Uh, You're going to be the guy that fights all the way in the grave. You're going to be 97 years old, still trying to figure out how to make something better for your community. 
And that's exactly, Robert, what you said. We talked about the international district. You brought that, that Some fairgrounds are not in the best of areas. But the one thing we were not when I got here was a good neighbor. We were not good to the neighborhoods that surrounded us. Uh, I mean, the, the grounds looked horrible. The, the, I mean, we were surrounded with block walls. It looked like a, a prison yard, not a fairgrounds. So we went to task, you know, in, in raising the money and getting the money and turning the, the business around and uh, getting people to buy into what we were doing and, and, and going and having those interactions with the neighborhoods. Yeah. How can we be less obtrusive? How can we help you? Uh, because it's a, it's a tough industry. And it's not for us, we're a 365 year, a day year facility. We're a multi-purpose facility that has activities outside of the fair event in those 11 days in September. So, you know, we, we, we built some great relationships with that. Uh, we had contracts and leases that were, uh, coming due. And so we made sure that we did thoughtful business approach through the procurement process so that everybody had an opportunity, had a chance. Uh, our midway operator is Rick Reithoffer and Reithoffer shows. Uh, for us, that was an absolute game changer. I was just going to ask about that because having grown up with the prior, prior ride operator, uh, we don't, you know, we don't need to say names, but when I, that night, that first night that I was talking about that I was at the fairgrounds and I just wanted to see what's going on at night. I walked out around the midway and I've worked with Reidhofer at several other fairs that I've been to. They fundamentally changed what that fair looked like. Absolutely. That midway. Uh, and, and we, and Rick has great vision as well. He knows what a midway look. My, my thing, when I met with Rick, uh, we met at IAFI. This is why it's important. Fair people get to IAFI. Go to WFA, go to your, your zone meeting. You're going to meet people that are going to be, you never know when you're going to get that next uh, success. And by meeting folks, you do that. I had to go out and tell everybody in the, in the Midway and Carnival industry that this was not a lockdown deal. The perception was that the governor controlled these actions and, and uh, that uh, you didn't have any say-so as a manager. And I had to convince everybody that, no, this was a legitimate bid process. Bring your A game and you'll, have the, you'll have the opportunity to win this. And that's what Rick did. I mean, uh, right from day one. And what I asked Rick was that I want to turn that midway into something where it doesn't look like it's a mobile or portable midway, that it looks like a permanent fixture. So we went to trenching of cables and getting the cables off from above ground and below. So it's a smooth surface, wide aisles, uh, you know, so that when you are busy, it doesn't feel that just packed in mentality. And uh, it, it's gotten better every year. Yep. And uh, Rick is a great partner. Yeah. Great partner. And he's a partner. That's yeah. He is. Is And as I understand it, we have a, a sky ride now on the grounds of the New Mexico State Fair. Rick Reithoffer puts his money where his mouth is. And he invested probably close to $3 million into the state fairgrounds. And we have one of the most beautiful sky rides in the country uh, right now. And, uh, uh, yeah, th I thank Rick every day and, uh, appreciate, and that's an investment into what we're doing. That made me think that, well, maybe we are doing a few things right when somebody of that magnitude comes in and let's remember Rick Reithoffer is based in Florida. That's a jump. Florida. Everybody said, there's no way he's going to make that jump. There's no way he can make it happen. Where Don't is he coming out of, but right before, uh, our state fair, where does he come from? Wilson County fair. So he's coming out of Tennessee. Coming out of Tennessee, so that jump is a lot. That's that's a big jump. It's still a big jump, but he don't tell Rick Reithoffer he can't do something. 
Yeah. Don't tell Dan Morning I can't do something. Yep. We're kind of the same ilk. We'll figure out how to make it work. And he has done. And most importantly, he figured out how to make it profitable. And we all have to make money. This is a for-profit industry. Yep. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and uh, we couldn't be more happy with uh, Rick. Uh, but, you know, it brings some legitimacy to the people of Albuquerque yep. saying, okay, these guys are serious and we are going to change what the fair looks like. And we've been able to uh, put investments into our North end with them. You know, we love it. We're still an agricultural fair, baby. We love our FFA and 4-H kids. Uh, you know, the rodeo, you know, PRCA rodeo is still live and kicking. Uh, you know, uh, we're still the West. Uh, but we have been made investment into those areas where it uh, is appealing to the general public and, and to the exhibitors, yep. uh, you know, and working on that. So again, you know, there's a lot of, balls in the air and i you know I, I can't say it's one thing that did this it's a, just a lot of things and a lot of hard work by a lot of people yeah uh, and i think that's the point that that to drive home on this is that you can put a hundred million five hundred million a million whatever the number is into a fair that doesn't mean it's going to be successful you need the right i mean look at the yankees how many times have they spent a quadrillion dollars to go home without a championship you need the right people at the right time and you guys have put that together and clearly you spent an enormous amount of time and energy and investment in building out great things at the new mexico state fair but then march 2020 comes rolling along and uh you know the world just starts to crumble that was you know we get to uh, over and over on this podcast i've kind of identified march 11th as this this date where um you know world health said this is a pandemic it was also the date that houston canceled which i think was eye-opening for a lot of us that if houston can cancel three days in where we could be in deep trouble where were you thinking at that point you know mid-march as all these dominoes started to fall down oh well, you know, we were looking at possibly one of the best years, and it was going to be one of the best years um, uh, for for the New Mexico State Fair and Expo New Mexico. Shows we had about concerts we had booked. Uh, we, on March 11th, I remember March 10th, getting a phone call uh, from our administration, uh, the for, for the governor's office, saying, hey, listen, we have this great thing out here uh, called the Gathering of Nations. Gathering of Nations is the largest powwow in the, in the world. Uh, it's a $24 million direct spend impact to the city of Albuquerque State in New Mexico. A lot. How big that important that event is. And we have post that out here at Expo New Mexico. And uh, that was at the end of April. And basically, I was talking to the folks from the fourth floor, and they said, hey, we're going to have to let you know we're going to have to cancel mm. the Gathering of Nations. And I, you know, after I got my breath back and put myself back into gear, it's like, uh, we, you know what the significance is if that's in April. And they said, listen, we don't have, and at that time, New Mexico had zero cases, zero cases. So, but I worked for them, you know, and uh, I said, so how's this going to affect the rest of us? And they said, well, we'll have to let you know. Uh, you know, I said, well, you know, I have huge shows we'd had at that weekend was going to be monster jam big monster trucks from feld entertainment um as well as one of our huge real grand arts and crafts festivals other several other shows that we had booked this is the beginning of our busy season if you will out here at expo right and uh so having that conversation with uh, the matthews family who runs the gathering of nations was quite difficult and difficult for them to also understand but we also knew that something was 
it, it was coming. I mean, like I said, I've been, I'm old enough to understand this is some serious stuff that they're talking about this. And so we prepared ourselves immediately, uh, you know, as far as like, we need to be prepared, whatever. And sure enough, we got the call at 1030 the next morning saying, you're shut down. You're shut down totally. No events, nothing happened. So was that the call that even canceled the fair at that point? No. Not yet. Just your early, no. early spring events, you were done. Right now. And okay. I well, imagine having a conversation with Feld Entertainment saying, hey, you have five sold out shows for Monster Jam and we're going to have to cancel that. But this would have been happening. I guess it was starting in Florida and, and other places. So I, I, they weren't overly surprised, disappointed, but overly surprised. Uh, and we work with our partners, our, our, you know, and that's something that we do a little bit differently out here. And that makes us unique at Expo New Mexico is that uh, any of our people that anybody, any client, don't care who it is, they rent our facilities. We work with them and help their facilities. We give them marketing. Uh, we also uh, are, are going to be logistically involved in their shows. So, I mean, it, these were tough conversations, Robert, um, you know, that any, no one wants to have, but we knew that this was something serious. So I sat down with, and started having some self-reflection and start, okay, what, what is going on here and how long is this going to uh, last? Yeah. You know, at that time we thought, well, maybe till June. And if we get things under control, it'll turn around. I mean, that, there, there were so many things that were out there, right. whatever. Uh, but you know, I have to give the governor of this state, you know, credit where she talked to me personally and said, listen, this is serious. Uh, things are not going to get better before they get, they're going to get worse before they get better. Uh, but, you know, we're doing this for what's in the best interest uh, of the people of New Mexico. And yeah. that's the way she has held ever since. Uh, and it's a hard, hard stance to take. It is. And uh, it was especially tough. You know, we were speaking real briefly right before we started the recording. It's a no-win situation for her. And, and, you know, whether I don't think it matters. I know here in New Mexico, and we can both speak to this because we're just sitting across the city from each other right now. Um, I I think whether it was Susana Martinez or Michelle Lujan Grisham, it was a no-win situation. And I think a lot of the reactions from the public, and I know my reaction early on that was somewhat visceral towards her, I think wasn't so much about her, but was about some really some, and, and I'll go deep on this. It was my personal fear of that uncertainty, that unknown in the future and that discomfort. I got to point it somewhere. So it's easy to point it at the governor, but the fact of the matter is uh, no governor in this country is just skating through this. Everybody is struggling to get a handle on it. And I think she's really, I, I get in a fortune box for a living. I make people laugh for a living she's the governor and, and she, I have to assume she's got information that I don't have and she's making the decisions in the best interest of New Mexico. I agree. You know, and uh, um, uh, you're right. I mean, we, we, at that time too, we were, no one was like, I don't understand. I don't get it. But I knew that this was going to happen. And I know the governor of the state, uh, she's resolute. She is not weak. She is strong. And uh, uh, she was going to protect the general public in the best way she knew how. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we also agree with that. And that and that when I when that kind of hit home with me and kind of switched me into another gear. And and what we do at Expo New Mexico and I, like other fairgrounds around the country, we all know how important they are to emergency situations. Whether it's an evacuation point for a fire, like what's yep. going on in California, yeah, uh, it's happened here. Uh, or for us, we had, uh, you know, some issues with, uh, uh, migrants overwhelming the, the, 
the city, no one ever came to the fairgrounds, but we have to open our grounds up to the general public. How can we serve the people of New Mexico the best? And that's the direction that I took this. And not instantly, people were not coming here. You know, I, I got a hold of the Department of Health. I said, hey, we will be a perfect COVID testing site. We can, we're self-contained within 236 acres. Uh, we know how to move people around our facility better than anybody. Uh, we can get people to be efficient. But that was rejected early on. Um, uh, a lot of the other things that we're doing out here were rejected. You know, people want to help with food drives and things of that nature. But that doesn't stop. You can't, once again, you can't, what we talked about earlier, Robert, you can't take no for an answer. you got to keep plugging. Say yes. Yeah, till you get somebody that believes in what you're trying to do. And that arrived uh, with the Department of Health. Uh, basically, they were overwhelming the city of Albuquerque uh, with cars being in the tra in main thoroughfare traffic. And so they revisited back. You know, we were able to contact them. And I tell you right now, we are one the, the top COVID testing site in the state. Uh, last Yesterday, we did almost 500 cars, 650 tests, two hours. That's crazy. So fast. Yeah, and and that's that and that's important for 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 the people. But it was because they're good at what they do. We're good at what we do, and together we make it great. Yep. And that's everything that we do out here. We have that attitude, Robert. I don't care what it is. If it's a dog show, I want it to be great. I want it to be the greatest dog show that's ever lived. And and I think whatever you do, when we're talking about you know, uh, management styles or whatever that, that is. Uh, if you don't believe it as, as a leader, your staff's not going to believe it. Yep. They, yeah. They, they, they feed off of what you believe. Yep. That's one of the things I've always admired about you, Dan, is it, it feels like it's real easy to get caught, especially right now. You know, we're recording this just a few days after the election. It's still really, you know, it's a very hot issue right now. It's easy to get caught in the politics of it. The thing that's always impressed me with you is that your attitude is, yeah, I may disagree with you. Okay, now that that's out of the way, how do we make a great event? How do we make this better for the state of New Mexico, for the city of Albuquerque? That attitude, I think if we had more of that, uh, I think New Mexico is a much, a much, much better place. You know, when you look at New Mexico history, when Michelle came in, when the governor came in, you probably, based on New Mexico history, should not have continued to be at the state fair. <laughs> and yet she clearly recognized and knew that she had a winner even though you guys may have some differing political philosophies, you both recognize that you were both working in the best interest of the state and the citizens for the state to have this New Mexico State Fair be strong and healthy for future generations. Um, you know, so you're facing all that. You got all these things going on. The pandemic rolls on. Dominoes continue to fall down as affairs continue to get canceled. But eventually, I know we're holding out hope that New Mexico can have its run. I know I was because I was contracted to come in and it would have been nice to have a fair in there. Uh, but eventually decisions got to get made. Was that you, you and your board made the decision or did it come down from the governor's office? No, it was, it was a combination of all of that. Like every other fair is uh, you have to weigh out the, 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 the checks and how the positives out of this. But uh, you know, when you talk about, you know, she believed in me, uh, Governor Michelle Long Grisham, you know, being a Democrat and I was a, a Republican under appointed under a Republican governor, uh, I believed in her too. I also believed that her vision would be good for the fair, you know, and uh, and she believes in the fair and continues to support the fair. And I'm, I'm and I've got news for you when this is all over, 
the rest of the fairs around the country are going to look about how the support we got from not only the governor, but from our legislature, because they believe in how important the fair is to the people in New Mexico, uh, hopefully will you know, shake some eyes open a little bit. So uh, I, I understand that it's easy to, uh, you know, my, my, my conservative friends and, and, and whatnot will, will like to, you know, want to be angry at me, but don't be angry at me. Be angry at, at a situation. Uh, and, and, and once you're done being angry, get positive on how you can fix with what's in your control. And uh, the fair was not going to happen as a as a standing event. Even, we we even pushed for live uh, livestock shows or uh, like you know the four H shows and stuff. We did everything we could. Believe me, I'm sure somewhere on the fourth floor there's a picture of me somewhere on a dartboard. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't go quietly into that good night. You know, I I, I am going to push the envelope. I'm going to push this, but but the other thing, Robert, like every other fair and a lot of other facilities, you had to educate yourselves. We, it's not just me. I have my staff educating themselves daily on what are new CSP uh, practices, things that can be, uh, what products are out there that can you know, make it safer. What are, what is the general public more importantly going to expect uh, from when they go into facilities? The first thing that we did is I diverted capital money to change out every sink, every uh, urinal, every toilet, everything to touchless technology to ensure that uh, the least amount of touches for people, the more they, uh, important. And you know, coming to our fair, uh, you know, that I may have our restrooms manned by staff. Yeah, you know? I think it's funny how, how many events I go to throughout the year. And I'm not just talking like what you would think is just the little kind of small cow town county fair. I'm talking big fairs and, and the restrooms. This is the second time restrooms have come up this season. Let's be honest. Restrooms are a really important part of the guest experience. Like if someone's going to come be at your event for six, seven hours, eight hours a day, they're going to need to use the restroom. And if it's grungy and gross and there's graffiti on the stalls, nobody want like nobody want. It's not. It's a negative on the guest experience. So I think a silver lining, and I've I've spoken with multiple fairs about this. They've been forced to go. Well, we need to go touchless. Well, that means they're now upgrading bathrooms at a lot of these facilities, which it's a pain to do it now, but five years from now, you're going to be like, why did we wait so long to do this? Amen. Robert, absolutely. And you, you're nailed on that. That's from my hospitality background, you know, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the condition of a restroom kind of things. Well, that's the condition of the kitchen too. And that's where my food's coming out. You so, got it. you know, and, but for us, I think the restrooms signified pride. And, uh, you know, if you take pride in your restrooms, I know it sounds crazy. You're going to take pride in the rest of the facility. And uh, I think uh, people in New Mexico have been overwhelmed and not because I said so. I mean, our Facebook posts and, you know, all the social media, all the stuff that we surveys and all that stuff that everybody else does say this is important. The people of New Mexico is important. Uh, we all went through the, the equalized scare, you know, a couple of years ago. And so I think the fair industry was really set to address something like COVID. I mean, not to the extreme, but we were ahead of the game, I think, more than a lot of other sure. industries. And uh, uh, we've took that, what we learned from uh, E. coli. And, and again, I can't emphasize, if anybody's listening in the fair industry, if you don't go through the Fair Management Institute and go through some of these classes and get in, uh, they are fantastic. Your peers have incredible knowledge. Uh, and, 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 it, and, it, and it's something that I cannot emphasize enough. Uh, enough. 
I don't care how small your fair is, how big a county it is, if it's a hunt, I don't care. Get involved in the IAFI, get involved in your uh, fair associations. Uh, and, and it's great stuff. I mean, we even us uh, with Scott Stoller, my friend up there in Colorado State Fair and Winnell and uh, in Arizona. I mean, we're bringing uh, Utah and ourselves together in the four corners kind of thing, just because our situations, because of the geographical distances of our fairs, uh, you know, are different and we're working together, uh, you know, and uh, we're, but we're still part of our big overall uh, associations. Western fairs, incredibly important to us. And uh, as well, and uh, Sarah Cummings, rock star, Marla Calico, rock star. We have great leadership in those uh, uh, industries. And it's good for us to, to uh, bank on these in, the, in these times of crisis. You can come in and, and to see that you have leadership like that uh, leading the way uh, gives me strength, you know, uh, to be able to be a good leader for my staff and my people. Uh, and uh, uh, like I said, no one, no one wanted this, no one expected it, uh, but you got to learn how to deal with it. And it's not going away soon. So uh, keep being diligent is what we are, we, uh, keep educating yourselves uh, and doing what we're doing right now, Robert, communicating. Yep. talking expressing ideas and uh talk to people in, in a cold call fair hey yeah. anybody wants to talk to us give us a call yeah set up a zoom man we'll talk to anybody and, and speaking of your staff and your communication you know hopefully by the time summer of 21 rolls around this pandemic will be on its way to being behind us um and in the meantime you still have to plan for a 2021 fair but you're doing that under the the cloud of a pandemic here in 2020 how that's a monumental task how do you and your team go about planning for that you have to plan like it's it's a, we're don't one of the things we learned with the virtual fair that we did is don't get away from what you do your processes your your, your the, the the mindset of your staff uh, even though it's different keep those processes the same we're doing the same thing with that. Yes, we understand we may have to make, you know, adapt here and there to certain things, but we're not going to get away from the things that made us successful. And, uh, and, uh, and that's what we're doing. Our staff, man, my, uh, I'm surprised people at Raina Bingham or sorry, Raina Bailey, uh, our concession and vendor, <laughs> she's probably called all over the, we're, we're going full metal jacket. We're ready to go. I just got off the phone with uh, some sponsorship folks. Um, the problem that, 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 that we, or the, I should not, there's no problems here. We have challenges. The challenge that we had to overcome was funding. You know, obviously the governor, we're a state facility. So you may see some private sector things. We have one of the largest open air flea markets in the country here, but that has been shut down since March. And there may be a few open here and there, but as a state facility, she is not going to have on her watch uh, some this COVID spreading from something that happens from a state facility. Uh, and, and I agree with that. So, uh, you know, it, it's tough on our vendors and we communicate all the time with them, but we will get open. And when we do open up for these events, we will be smarter and uh, we will do them as safe as possible. Um, you know, you got to have that assurance of public, even though uh, restaurants are open, they're not filled to capacity guys. You know, they're, 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 they're people are still scared and, and they should be rightfully so, uh, you know, but we are trying to live our, our, our lives planning for a fair, you know, is an arduous task for any, uh, any, any fair, uh, you know, and it just makes it doubly that, but guess what we will plan for some 
adaptation, just like the virtual fair. No, it's not what we wanted to do, but by gosh, we're going to do it to the best of our ability. And uh, we're going to make it good for the people. And if you keep the people in mind and what's best for those folks, you'll stay focused. You'll stay on, ta on task. And uh, a big thing that we had to do is convince our legislature and our governor that we're worth saving. We're worth funding. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm going to be honest. We're not going to be able to do this without supplemental help from the, uh, from the legislature. And we all know in New Mexico, uh, our revenues are down significantly because we depend on oil and gas yeah. tourism. Those are two largest industries. Uh, so it's a tough sell. But I will tell you this right now, uh, because of those relationships, Robert, and I tell every anybody that's in the fair industry, they know this. You have to have good relationships with legislators, with your own executive branch administration. Have good relationships and build trust in them. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Don't say you're not do something and not go, go don't follow through. Uh, this is what they look for, and they believe in us. And so I'm very happy to say that I believe that the legislature is going to ensure that the, uh, uh, the New Mexico State Fair and Expo New Mexico are going to be here for generations to come. And uh, I will not rest until that is done. So, uh, you know, we, we, we will, you know, plod through this, and uh, we will come out bigger, better, than stronger than we were before, Robert. And uh, it's going to take partners like yourself, uh, the spectacular industry. We, we, we have so many great partners and people that we want to bring to the fair that haven't been here, uh, and that are nowhere, we know they're hurting and, uh, as we are. Uh, but we're going to come together and, and it's going to be great. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I know everything. Not everything's rainbows and sunshine, Dan. Yeah, I get that. Uh, uh, yes, you're going to have some. Oh, not going to be easy. Who in the heck said this was going to be easy? It's going to be not. tough. It's going to be rough. You're going to get kicked in the teeth. You're going to get knocked down. But you're going to pick yourself up and say, all right, I took that shot. I'm still here. Let's bring it. Let's see what else you got. Because I'm going to overcome that. And if you don't have that attitude, you're not going to you're not going to be successful. I think that's one of the silver linings for me in all of this um, is that, you know, we, we've spoken about this before. It feels like as as Americans, maybe over the last few years or, you know, 10 or 15 years, we've gotten a little soft because other than 2008, economy has been great. Things have been cruising everybody's doing pretty well and we haven't had any real national crises. And I think if this, if people wake up at the end of this and go, I'm a lot stronger than I was 18 months ago, 12 months ago, two years ago, however long it takes, then I think we all win. And I think we're all better for it. I, you know, I saw a thing on Facebook that said, if you get to the end of this pandemic and you're still the same person you were when it started, then you messed up. You're delusional. <laughs> is, you there know, any, is there anything you've learned about yourself during this pandemic? Yeah. Uh, you know, th that I need to be a better manager. I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better father. Uh, I thought that I was good at all of those. And I think the pandemic brings you down. It shook us to our core. And you start reevaluating your life. And you say, as good as I think I am, I'm not that great. We were good people and this happened to us. Um, what are we going to do to be better? And I think if we challenge ourselves to be better human beings and to respect other human beings, like the fair industry does, the fair industry is, I will never leave this industry. I love it. 
I'm going to die in this industry because it, 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 it serves the people in a yeah. positive way. We bring people together. We bring families together. We bring people together that you don't think that you're normally going to bring together. And as long as they're having a good time, come together. Let's fair. It's wonderful. And I think that's what I learned that's how important this industry was to my life, my personal life, that uh, I depend on the energy that it brings uh, to go forward. Uh, we've, you know, kind of commenting on what you said about our kids. I'm like, my children are children. Uh, they're 24 and 22. Uh, and yet they have not had any scars. And I say scars are not th where they've been knocked down. Yeah. Uh, we all try to make it better. I know you do with your children, you know, your, your son, you know, I mean, you want to make it better for them. That's, that's just what a parent does. Uh, and you want to protect them from this. My kids have had to deal with this head on and it's a good thing. Of course, you know, uh, that they have to realize what to do to be successful and, uh, and uh, to protect their life. Uh, I mean, I grew up, we talked earlier, Robert, I grew up during civil rights in the 60s. Uh, I grew up through Vietnam, uh, you know, 9-11. I, I, I mean, there's a whole a host of things uh, taking us off the gold standard for crying out loud. You know, uh, you know, you you learn from that. You, you don't realize how, as a young child at that time how significant the struggles were uh, at that time and and as far as we have come how far we have left to grow and uh, I hope that we turn take whatever you have control over in leadership and lead with being first a good human being be good to people people deserve that be yep. a good human being yeah Dan I'm glad you could be on the show today before we go everyone who comes on the show goes through a series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you a handful of questions and you give me the best answer for each. And uh, for those of you listening uh, on audio only, the look on Dan's face right now, he feels like he's in trouble. I know where you live. <laughs> I know where you work. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Number one, are we ready? I'm ready. Funnel cake or fried Oreos? Funnel cake. What's your favorite thing about the fair? The people. Uh, when you travel, name one item that you absolutely have to have with you. Deodorant. <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, Star Wars. Are you kidding me? Uh, first, or let's do this. Favorite concert you've ever attended? Oh, my gosh. Elton John. Elton John. Last question. Since we've just had a very contentious presidential election, I will avoid politics, but I will ask a presidential question. You can go back in time and meet any president. Which one do you meet? Ronald Reagan. Dan Morning, fair manager for the New Mexico State Fair. I'm glad that you could be on the show today. If folks want to reach you, where can they find you? Hey, you can find me at expoNM.com. Uh, you can go to the State Fair, New Mexico State Fair. You can email me. Uh, uh, my numbers are posted. Call me. I prefer to call. Uh, I love to talk to people. I love the Zoom. At least I feel that there's some sort of connection. But, but as you, Robert, I miss that personal connection. I miss seeing you folks. I miss traveling to see my fair friends. Um, but uh, we will get through this and uh, get back to the new normal. And uh, like I said, be bitter, bigger, better, and stronger. Yep. I don't know when we'll get the uh, chance to meet again in person. Uh, but until then, Sarah and I want to uh, wish you guys the best. Wish you all very happy holidays. Dan Morning, New Mexico State Fair. Thanks for coming on the show, Dan. Thanks for having me, Robert. You're the best. 
You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.